Welcome, Building Brands listeners. For episode 31, I'm joined by Lisa Wood, owner and designer at Lisa J. Wood Interiors. Lisa J. Wood Interiors is a boutique residential interior design firm based in Asheville, North Carolina. They work throughout Western North Carolina and beyond focusing on residential and select commercial projects for new construction or much-needed renovations. In this episode, Lisa talks about the various elements an interior designer takes into consideration when sourcing a product or material and what manufacturer brands can do to provide value to designers beyond just the aesthetic allure. Enjoy the episode. If you're an owner or marketer in the building materials manufacturing, distribution, or contracting spaces looking to set up your brand for success now and in the future, this is the podcast for you. On this show, we talk about brand and market strategies used in the real world that grow companies and truly connect with consumer audiences. So sit back, listen in, and let's get to it. Okay, welcome Lisa Wood, owner, designer at Lisa J. Wood Interiors. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, Tim, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, let's start with uh, having you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your professional background and a little bit more about Lisa J. Wood Interiors as a company as well. I am a mom of three and married, and we have a big, big puppy of a Newfoundland. And uh, I'm an interior designer over in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm originally from Texas, so Texas has always got my heart. And I did go to school for this. And I'm also an ambassador for the Living in Place Institute. So a lot of what I do and focus on is I help clients understand the importance of finding the right right materials and design and layout to make spaces more inclusive for all ages and stages of life and, and make it fun in the process. And I really believe that nobody should ever live in an ugly home. Yeah, it has to look good, but it also has to work for people. It's got to function. It's got to function for sure. So there is definitely a balance of art and science that goes into what interior design is all about and architecture, especially. And then finding that team of people that we can bring it together is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how Lisa J. Wood Interiors started and how you got this all ramped up. I've always been interested in interior design. Matter of fact, my mom loved it when I got in trouble because I would, my pout and I'd go start cleaning out closets and reorganizing (laughs) things and rearranging things. And and she thought it was a very productive use of my time. And my grandmother was an interior designer. My great grandfather was a builder. My uncles were in the construction industry with them. So I think it's just really naturally in my blood I stopped when I started having kids and was raising them, but I always dabbled in it. And now that they're grown and in college, I'm just, I'm back to it because I absolutely love it. I find such joy in taking what some people think is such a mishap of something of a space and being able to recreate it and, and rethink it to function in a way that they need it to function in today's world. And then I really, really love, and I kind of geek out because I'm not a science nerd at all, but I really geek out on finding those products and and vendors that we can help accomplish that goal and make the space even more amazing. And sometimes it's such a small, small detail that nobody even notices it, but you know how much time and research went into just identify that perfect thing or perfect company or perfect vendor service, whatever. And it just, it just makes the space better. It makes the entire home better. So it, it's super fun for me that, you know, we hopefully get to improve lives that way. 
I will say sometimes when you don't notice something, it means that it's working too. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's this, well, I heard this, I was on, you know, with as of last year, because we, all of us were having to stay at home a lot more Except in the construction industry. A lot of construction companies kept blowing and going because they were considered essential workers and which is a beautiful thing. But I took a, a, many webinars, you know, many of the CEUs, uh, but this one lighting webinar, this one guy said something so profound that I actually had to turn it into a, a meme to share on social media. And he said that 90% of the lighting in our homes, in our spaces, we're unaware of, but we are 100% affected by it. Mm-hmm. How true is that with so much other stuff, you know, that we deal with when it comes to designing and building homes? Yeah. And even workspaces too, for that matter, but and what type of projects are you normally brought in on? I am normally working on remodels, and but I've also done new builds, and then I'm also doing some commercial projects. Very cool. And the, who are you usually working with in this? Homeowners or other ar- architects and being brought into their team, or who do you sort of team up with to to get the the things needed that you need for this? Or who's the end user most of the time? If it's, if it's a new build, I'm working in collaboration with the homeowner and the builder. Mm-hmm. And then if it's a remodel, it's typically starting out with the client, finding out what their needs are, assessing what their project's going to be about. And then if they are wanting me to, to run the job and be and do the project management, make it turnkey, then I will bring in the contractors that I have vetted and that I know can do the work that I expect and then we'll go from there. There's other times that I'll just do the design only and they want to project manage. So they want to go out and find the subs and bring the trades in and, and they take care of all of that. Either way is fine. I just want to make sure that the design is really implemented to fit their lifestyle and fit the goals of what, of how they want to function in that space. And, and of course then guide them towards the materials that hopefully it all turns out beautiful. <laughs> Do you find yourself guiding them more on the materials or them coming to you with some initial ideas? Do they ever know the exact materials they want or are they mostly looking for a certain style type or look and feel? A lot of times they don't have any idea. Mm. It's very rare that I find a client that says, I want to use this tile. And I do have one right now. I want to use this tile. And that tile has dictated everything that goes into this bathroom because it is so strong in pattern it would not necessarily be my first choice, but that they love it. And that's the thing is that, you know, it's not when I come in as a designer, it's not me pushing what I think is the end all be all. And there are some designers that have that, you know, that people think that, that that's the way designers are. There's some bad stories out there, but most people, most of us in our profession, we want to just help guide you. It's kind of like we're a coach. We're also you know, I get into like being a marriage counselor <laughs> hmm. and, and it's, there's so much more than just the actual design, but going in and finding that when they have a strong opinion on a, on a certain material, then it's my job to really say, okay, well now let's look at how we can make that work. And these, these are the reasons why we have to look at these other materials because you don't want to have too much contrast going on or you don't want to have too much conflict going on with pattern. And so it, it is. It's very much a guiding, and it's. I try, always try to find something to laugh about, and keep it light, because people can get very stressed through these projects. Yeah, tell us a little bit about what makes a designer so useful. I think sometimes designers actually get overlooked as being important because they're sort of just seen as like an aesthetic 
organizer to, or, or something like that. But there's more to what goes into when a, an interior designer is looking into for a space. Yeah. Well, there's a big difference between a decorator and a designer. And designers can take great offense to being called decorators. It doesn't really bother me. I've got one client that t- tends to refer to me as a decorator, and that's completely fine. But they really, now they're seeing as we're getting their project more completed, they're seeing, oh my gosh, we could not have done this without you. I was actually told that last week. It was a really, really great thing to hear. But as a designer, I'm not only concerned about the aesthetics. I mean, of course, we want it to look good. But for me, it's about the function. And if you can't function well in a space, then something's wrong with the space. And with technology the way it is today, I really believe that we have, it should be our mission in construction industry that we should be be very innovative. We can't have the mindset that, oh, that's the way things used to be done and that's all we do it. We have to really be open to hearing what others can bring to the table because it is incredible the resources that we have out there that we can make homes safer, more comfortable, healthier, and really incorporate that whole concept of biophilic design and wellness design and and, and really improve the quality of living within the homes. And it's not just for the homeowners themselves. It's you got to start thinking, okay, well, who comes into your home? You know, what kind of family members or friends come into your home? I was on a call the other day with a gentleman and he was showing me his house plans. And he was, he was telling me he's got a young family. He's, you know, he's healthy, he and his wife. But, and he's from a very large family. I think he's one of 10 one of 10 kids and he, one of his brothers was in an accident and he's in a wheelchair. He, that happened when he was 16 years old. So they have to take into consideration how their home is structured so he can come in and partake of the family events because they do a lot of family stuff together. So it's really thinking bigger and broader and asking great questions to know how can we deliver what we promise to deliver. And it starts through the questioning process. Yeah, there's a lot there. I think we'll be able to touch on that more in depth too, especially with your uh, affiliation with the uh, programs that you're involved with. But one step back, I asked you about if homeowners were coming to you with preconceived notions of what materials they might want. And it seems like they're a little bit more high level, big picture. This is the type of thing I may be looking for, the type of need I might have. You're bringing most of the suggestions to them. So let's establish a, a little bit, if you could, of where you're looking to find things that you can bring to the table that start that meet that innovative type of angle that you like to bring to the profession that you feel like everyone should be bringing to the profession. Where do you start with that? So I always start with a, a, an initial consultation. We'll be able to take that and then I dive deeper with some questions that kind of get into their lifestyle, their habits, their wants, their likes, desires, etc. I always go deep into what do you like about the current space that you're in, especially if it's a remodel. What do you not like? And then because of my experience and my background, I will ask questions that they probably would have never thought that a designer might ask. And I love to stay on top of current trends and and current products. I'm very big on, I love, actually, I love one of the aspects of COVID that I love that happened was so many companies pivoted to get their content out. There was webinars all over the place. Mm And I dove into so many webinars that had to do with product manufacturers, product suppliers. I actually had a talk with one of my favorite vendors last week, and the national sales manager was unveiling their some of their new lines that they had. 
oh my gosh, the possibilities. But then not only was I able to help influence or, or comment on the products, but I, I was able to guide them on some design elements that stuck out to me. And I was like, you guys ought to be careful with this one design. You might want to rethink it. And he told me, he said, you know, Lisa, we're, we have no design uh, talent on our staff. We're simply manufacturers. And we, didn't, we don't even think the way that you think. And it showed me that that's a real opportunity that we can actually help influence, possibly from a design aesthetic, help influence some of these companies that are building these products and creating these products to make them better and safer and to think in a way that they might not have thought about before. So I love doing that research. I love seeing what's possible. And if it's not there, I'll go see, can we make it? You know, can we, can, who can help me create this? And I, I've done that with a number of pieces lately on furniture to, to, you know, some other functional uses and spaces. And if not, we'll just go create it. So it sounds like getting in front of you, I don't want to call it the digital revolution because that technically happened 15 years ago, but the COVID digital revolution part 3.0 or whatever you want to call it, brought a little bit more access to you as a designer so that you could have more options at your fingertips that you either couldn't find before because they weren't active enough online one way or another, or they didn't have a way for you to engage them outside of like a trade show or something that you weren't able to time or, or distance or whatever get to. So it sounded like their increased content and customer engagement initiatives brought you in a little bit too. What else from a from their standpoint, what, what do you look for for something that you like to bring into your list is like, yeah, these are the things that I'm going to start recommending to people. I've learned about them. The webinar got me into it, right? They, they have content out there that I'm totally into. But now that I know more about them, you know, what makes it something desirable to bring to an end user as something that you would recommend to them? For example, in bathrooms, on uh, when it comes to designing a bathroom, I think every bathroom needs a grab bar. And the reason why I think every bathroom needs a grab bar is because of a personal story where my mom was needing one and she did not want a grab bar in her bathroom because she had been in and out of the hospital for 10 years until the last year that we lost her in 2018. And to her, it was, it was institutional and it brought back bad memories. So my in-laws had said, Lisa, go, go to Walgreens and go get that suction cup grab bar and stick it on the tile. I'm like, okay, well, at least that might be something in the interim to do. So I went and went to Walgreens, found it, bought it, stuck it on the wall, walked away, it fell off. I was like, Ooh. So I went, stuck it back on the wall, it fell off. It would not stick to the tile. And I thought, okay, what a nightmare this would be if my mom went to go reach for that, thinking it was going to support her. So because of that experience, I think every bathroom needs to have certain safety features, but they don't need to be ugly. You know, they, I found a really sexy looking grab bar by a company called Wing It. So I started diving in to see more what they were about when I actually got to talk to the national sales manager. Holy moly, their story is so cool on how this product came to be. And it was all because of their fastener. I tell that story to my clients all the time. And when, and when they learn about it, they're like, okay, okay. So guess what? I got grab bars in all my projects right now. <laughs> so there was something to that though. That's, that's deeper yeah. than just the product. I mean, obviously they must've provided you enough content for you to realize that this looks good and there's lots of really nice options and it has the functionality I'm looking to, but you went one step deeper. You, you believed in the company's story and how they came about 
developing that product. That gave you a reason to sell it appropriately to the people that you're designing for too. Not only is it functional, but you would believe, you know, you, I believe in why these people create this and you should believe in why you should have it in your space too. So there's a brand element to that too, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and I think too, it's so important that there's, because I think a lot of times the manufacturers are not, they don't have access necessarily to a designer or an architect. You know, if they're, they're probably expecting that the builder or the contractor is going to come say, I need 10 widgets, whatever it might be. But imagine being able to share that story with the people that are developing the whole aesthetic look to it, that if they really understood what the product was about and they understood why it functions the way it functions or why it does what it does, and it then have that brainstorming how much better your products could even improve. But yeah, I love learning about these the smallest details that somebody might ever think about because if I know that I can believe that that product is going to make my clients safer and their homes more comfortable to live in, why wouldn't I spec it? Yeah, and you also mentioned the you brought in the biophilic term. So mm-hmm. now we're also talking about wellness in life too. And there's also a lot of these things are connected. There's no single thing that isn't connected to another. The sustainability of products as well, where are they sourced from? That also may affect the quality of the product too, or at least the life cycle of the product. So there's a lot to think about there for things that even the, the general public are starting to believe are important now too, whether it's through a societal change or economical change, whatever might be the, the motivation for that. Absolutely. And it's just like you recently talked with John Dupre of Revel and the story he told me about green flooring, bamboo flooring coming over from, from China and how it was rated green. It was hundred percent past all the tests until it got to the United States. Well, the, the container that leached chemicals into that wood, it made it more toxic than concrete. Well, Think about all the furniture that's coming over from China that are stuck on containers. And if they don't have a way to off-gas that and they're bringing that into their home, I've got a client now who's very sensitive from a lung standpoint. And she's very sensitive to mold. She's very sensitive to chemicals. She's very sensitive to EMFs, which I had to start learning about EMFs and why that affected certain clients because I'd never had to deal with that before. And it's, it's really learning to be sensitive and very very curious about somebody because that person is living in that space. And if it's my job to help influence what goes into the project, I need to know so much on the, on the outside, so much more than a client would ever need to know. I need to know who's got what and how, how is it going to best fit into this project? That's going to give them the result that they need. It's really fascinating to learn why, certain companies do what they do and then the products that they have, but it's a very, it's, you've got to stay on top of the education. You can't get complacent for sure. It it takes a lot. And you mentioned the functionality of a family member or someone coming into your home that only escalated with the pandemic because everyone was at home more. So now things actually became more apparent. People might be more in tune with this and they're also investing in their homes now because they realize even after this, they may spend a little bit more time at home and it might not just be the place that you come back to after work, sleep in, and then go back to work to the next day. So there's more consideration there. To, to jump into a little bit deeper into the accessibility side, you are certified and the ambassador uh, associated with the Living in Place 
uh, program. Can you talk a little bit about that too while we're, we're here too? Because I think there's some things that tie into even builder organizations and what companies can do to be involved. So there's a, a little bit we could touch on here too. I'd love to. Well, the, the whole concept of really figuring out how to make environments healthier and safer started with a program called Universal Design that was out at NC State. And the project was really bringing a lot of awareness to how do you create, say, a bathroom for somebody that's in a wheelchair. It was great. And they had several principles. They were really, it was changing the way a lot of people thought. Well, they ran out of money and they had to shut the program down. After that, the whole aging in place concept came to be. Aging in place is really just a term. It's an umbrella term for what somebody would need as they got older to enable them to stay in their home. So it could Mm -hmm. come into the design and construction. It could come into financial needs, insurance needs, caretaker needs, whatever it might be, fitness needs. So it's a big umbrella. But the National Association of Home Builders created their program, called CAPS, and CAPS stands for Certified Aging in Place Specialist. Well, I think that started in 2008 or four, something like that. Uh, And then Louie and Eric, who founded the Living in Place Institute, they were both in the construction field. And Louie was also a child safety proof expert. He would travel the country and give lectures and go in and assess people's homes. They wanted to take that concept and basically improve upon it And one of the biggest things that they change, it's not that we design really any differently than a CAPS professional Mm -hmm. uh, or somebody that came through the universal design program, but they wanted to get rid of the stigma of aging because who wants to age? We know we all will, but I would rather live. And there is a huge community that's growing. And I'm so proud of this gentleman, Mark Middleton down in Florida, And they have named it Growing Boulder. And it's all about 55 plus people achieving great things. There are some stories of 90 year olds and 100 year olds that are winning, literally winning races. And they're out running around the track and winning the race for for their age bracket. I mean, so people want to live. We don't want to age in place. We want to live in place. And so the Institute is, we teach everyone from, designers, architects, builders, to tradespeople, to real estate agents, to occupational therapists and PTs, because it really takes a team. It takes a team of us to be able to come together and help improve the quality of homes. And I can't go in as an interior designer and say, Tim, you need a grab bar because then I'm practicing medicine. That Mm -hmm. has to come in from an OT or a PT. So if we can create that team of people the trusted team that we know to as a go-to and say, okay, we've got this project. This is what it looks like. This is what the scope's going to be. And then bring in the necessary parties to say, okay, how can we achieve this? And what's the best, best method to go about this? Uh, It's really amazing how we can improve that, that entire project. So living in place is a based over in Colorado, but we are starting to expand. We've got, got uh, clip graduates across the world now so it's kind of exciting and it's been a real grassroots effort then we're just hoping we can kind of elevate what is existent in building codes and make it better clearly there's designers and in pro- in, involved in the program but other are manufacturers getting involved in the program too that's the cool thing is there are some people that will take the program they don't ha- they don't necessarily want to take the, the one that's as extensive as what a, a mature designer or mm-hmm. architect builder might go through 
But the other option for manufacturers is we have an educational partner program. The education partner program is free for them to use and they just come in and if their product, if they really believe that their product can make a home safer, more comfortable and healthier, then we would love to talk to them. And then they get access to not only promote their product, they get to tell us, educate us, and it goes out to all of the CLIP graduates and they get recognized on the, on the website. And, and then we're, we start creating an awareness that brings their product up into more of a spotlight for the building industry. And it's really, it's really been fun. I mean, it's a no brainer for manufacturers that are already creating those types of products to help improve accessibility in spaces. And if that is part of their mission to help create better spaces for people of all abilities, then it's, they should be involved in something like that. It's just, it, it, lends itself to their brand story and their brand mission. So it's a no brainer. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And a lot, because I know there's other opportunities for vendors to get involved, but they, you know, we've got some companies will have a vendor program that they have to pay into for Mm -hmm. advertising. And this is just a free, free education partner program. So it's, it is a no brainer. If their product falls within that category of safe, healthy, and comfortable, Call us. <laughs> it contributes to brand authority too. If you're involved with a program like this, it just backs up the fact that you believe in it. And if you're someone that's involved and you can say that and other people can't, that's one thing that elevates you above everyone else. So from a competitive standpoint, as much from a mission standpoint, it's beneficial as well. So that's Absolutely. really cool. Absolutely. So when it comes to building materials, building products in the construction and design industry in general, you know, over the next couple of years, Where do you think that this industry is going to go? Well, it's interesting. I just, this morning, I actually was invited to be a keynote speaker for a manufacturer that's based in Germany. And it was all because of a virtual talk that I gave for KBiz. Mm. And she found me because she was on that virtual talk. And that was the first time I ever spoke at KBiz. So I'm really honored to speak on their behalf or speak at their conference. And it's going to be on multi-generational living. And what does that mean? And companies have realized, we were actually discussing KBiz this morning. She said, oh my gosh, what a nightmare because that entire conference crashed on day two. I remember that. Yeah, (laughs) I saw that. And she's like, oh, and they were, they were a top sponsor of it. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they had to give all the, they had to refund all the money to all the vendors refund all the ticket prices, everything. And she said, what a nightmare. And I said, but think about it. Who has ever operated business like what we have had to learn how to do over the last year? So that trend is going to really continue. I think that more companies are going to find ways if they can get their content out and do CE webinars um, that I know Hanley Wood does a great one and they have all different topics. I signed up for several of them just the other day to show how you can educate people in the industry that would either utilize your product or spec your product. You've got to get that education out there because so much goes unknown. If there's designers or builders, contractors especially, are, they are so focused on the actual building of the structure and they don't have time to go out and do the CEUs. There's very mm-hmm. few that are really going out and spending that time learning so if you're not surrounding yourself by, you know, someone like me who does go out and do the learning to where I can come back to you as a builder and a contractor saying, you know what, I learned about this new product. Let me tell you about it. 
what do you think? Do you think this could work in this solution, you know, in this situation? And I did that with a new build here. The guy didn't even know about this one particular linear drain that could create a zero, you know, curbless shower. He's like, well, too late. I didn't depress the concrete, so we can't do it. And I go, oh, but yes, we can. (laughs) And so I introduced a new product to him. He was thrilled. He was thrilled. And, you know, now can we do it better on the next time? Yes, because he's never installed this before. So there's a learning curve that goes along with everything. But it's be. I think the biggest thing is we all need to be more open to hearing what the other party can bring because I might've learned something new that you don't know. And together we're better. And I think more companies are going to continue with these CEUs. I think the online zoom meetings are going to continue. I know people are craving to be back in person and I, I'm sure trade shows will come back it to be, but I think companies have realized how they can pivot because we had to and how we can improve on, upon getting all that information out. And it's just, if you don't do it, you're going to be left behind. Yeah. I think the, the engagement portion of the digital sales and kind of marketing uh, shifts that have happened in the last year, not only are, is it happening more, but I think companies are directly reaching out to people like designers and architects to bring them in as content contributors too, not just, people that are listening or participating in the actual receiving of information, they're bringing information into the story and as part of the collective uh, content piece. So that's pretty cool too. Um, Is there one thing that you think from a branding perspective, every company should be doing right now? Branding. I think you got to just make yourself known. You've got to, you've got to get yourself out there. However that looks, if you're able to, you know, if you have a product that can benefit Either if you're in commercial or, or your products go into residential spaces, wherever that is, find people that you can get that your content to. And if it takes having somebody that's kind of like an influencer or becoming an educational partner to the Living in Place Institute, anything that you can get your name out there in front of others better, it's, it's going to help you. But you've got to figure out how you can bring other people into the story and stories sell, right? That's what it's not. It's that whole concept. If you can sell a good story, that's going to make you more memorable. But I also think from a branding perspective with what we went through last year with COVID is that also think about how you can get involved with this whole direction, because I, I, I don't want, I hate to even call it a trend. I think it's more of a movement in the way that people live is that if you if it, you can make your product all about the wellness, how to make homes more functional and more and healthier, then you are going to get a really good foothold in this industry compared to competitors. But you've got to be willing to think outside the box. And if you need help, go get it. You know, go get somebody to help you think differently because you can't stay stuck in the past. We have to change. Change is part of life. It's like a river. It just keeps flowing. <laughs> And that might be more, even more important now after the pandemic, because before you might've said, oh, that one looks better, even though it doesn't quite work as well. We're still going to go with it because I like the way it looks, but function will become even more important now as people invest more in the space that they're going to spend more time in. So I think that's a pretty good point. Is there anything I didn't pry out of you through questions that you want to bring up before we finish? No, I would just, I encourage everybody to, if they want to know more about living in place to please, I'm happy to share. And we've got some incredible partners that have come, that are coming on board. And I think Wingets is coming on board soon. 
So uh, they're going to be talking and, and potentially this new, this new person company that I'll be speaking for. So I, I, yeah, I, I'm just excited to really continue to learn. I'm a constant learner and the more I can, the better I can be at my craft because of knowledge that somebody can share with me that I consider priceless. So don't be afraid to find ways to get out there and get your information to the people that might spec something and, you know, be able to educate those homeowners. I think YouTube is another great source. I started yeah. a YouTube channel. Uh, never did in my life did I think I was ever going to start one. And and I'm evolving. I'm evolving on that. The first ones were really bad, but it was a start. <laughs> and so, you know, so finding ways to get, because we're such a visual, people want snippets in short increments. And so as a, you know, there's, there's ways to do it, collaborate with others too. The collaboration I think is key. Well, and the connection you can make over video, even this audio podcast, right? It's much different than reading a blog post or a white paper or download a resource or something like that. Plus, I think uh, to your point about, oh, they're not perfect the first time, but they're getting better. There are a lot of companies and people that don't generate content because they're scared of it's not perfect, that they shouldn't do it. And yeah. I got to tell you, like, it's better to have something that's not perfect out there and get better at it over time than to not have something that's out there right now. I, so I agree. I got some advice today. They said, just be authentic and, yep. and don't worry about being perfect. And yep. I, even though I was an A type personality, I do claim myself to be a relaxed A now. <laughs> and that, that comes with time. Thank goodness. But <laughs> you know, I, I, the perfectionism, you know, perfectionism to me, I it used to be that can cause so much stress and the ulcers and the, and, and, and the delays, you know, cause you, you just are afraid to get anything out there. And I have gotten to a point that if, I know I need to get some content out there. I'm working on a planner right now to try to help homeowners. And I had to go get help because I was stuck. So I went out and, and hired somebody to help me get pushed over the hump. And is it still going to be perfect? No, but we can refine it. And I yeah. know that, you know, we're just, life is about evolution and we can always get better. So yeah, I think just get out there. Even so, the most formal of educational documents and books have different additions over time. So it's... Ooh. Yeah, very, very possible. Yeah. So, but now you, you've, you've already plugged uh, where people can uh, look up the Living in Place Institute. Why don't you talk a little bit about where people can find you and more about the Lisa J. Wood uh, Interiors Company? I have a website and it's just lisajwood.com. I had to throw the J in there. That's my middle name because lisawood.com was taken. <laughs> you know, that's a simple name. So, yeah. domains gone. are tricky. Yep. <laughs> domains are tricky. I didn't get on the domain train back way back when, but so uh, on my website, I've got all my social media channels. I'm on YouTube now and I've got, you know, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of thing. So, and then I'm also on the living in place Institute as an ambassador, but that's where I'm, I'm found. And I come out with weekly content on YouTube and, you know, come over and say hi and join in on the conversation. <laughs> awesome. Well, this was a great conversation. So thanks for taking time with me. Well, thank you, Tim. I look forward to it. And hopefully we can do it again. This was, this was fun. I hope it helps some people. Yeah, thanks. If you're interested in hearing more stories and strategic insights from industry experts, please subscribe to the Building Brands podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. If you've enjoyed this episode, please post a review and share with others who may be interested as well. Thanks for listening.